Welcome to the Vox Church Podcast. We're so excited that you're taking some time today to listen to today's message. If something from today's message specifically touches your heart, text Vox Church, all one word, to 97000, and one of our leaders would love to connect with you. Also, make sure you visit voxchurch.org for more information about our church and upcoming service locations and times. God bless you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Vox Church. For anyone here in Brantford, for anyone at any of our other campuses, anyone listening online, welcome to Vox Church. Hey, church, can we just welcome anybody listening to us this morning all over live stream at our different campuses? We're so happy that you're here. Vox Church is one church that meets in multiple locations. And so right now, this morning, we're meeting in nine different locations across Connecticut and into Massachusetts. And so my name is Ryan Weatherhead. I'm one of the pastors here at Vox Church. Um, My wife and I have been serving a part of this family for almost 10 years now, almost 10 years. And we're so excited. We love it here. We, We have three kids, Levi, Eden, and Silas. And we are, friends, continually in awe at what God is doing in New England. Are you excited about what God's doing in New England? Are you excited about what he's doing? Hey, if you want to open your Bibles today, you can open it up to Psalm, the book of Psalms, chapter 46, one of my favorite books of the Bible. Uh, the, the words will be on the screen as well, but this is Psalm 46. I'm going to read the whole Psalm. It's 11 verses, and I'm going to start in verse 1, Psalm 46. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Verse four, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the most high. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice, the earth melts, the Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he's brought desolations to the earth, he makes wars cease to the ends of the earth, he breaks the bow, shatters the sphere, he burns the chariots with fire. Verse 10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The title of my message this morning, friends, is Resize Your Moment. Resize Your Moment. Would you pray with me this morning? God in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the the scripture, God, the the, the God-breathed scripture. God, we pray as we look at it, as we peer into it this morning. God, we thank you that your word by your spirit has the power to transform us. And so we pray, God, as we hear it, as it settles into our hearts, God, we pray transform us into your likeness. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. January 2nd, friends, you made it. Hey, friends, if you didn't know, you made it to January 2nd, 2022. Give yourself a round of applause. You got here, right? You're here today. I do believe for our church that God has a word for us as we begin this year. And it's interesting because in many years that we have, right, we, we have these, these hopes. We have hopes of what maybe a year will be like. And then we have the reality of at times what that year ends up actually looking like, right? It's interesting. I walked into the gym yesterday and there's probably two dozen people there, people I love dearly, uh, another family of mine. And, and the phrase that was buzzing around the gym was that normal phrase that you hear on January 1st, happy new year. And I, I had a moment where I go, what does that actually mean? 
Like, are we happy that it's started? Are we happy that the old year is over? So for many of us, we find ourselves at the end of any year, we find ourselves sort of in the middle of, again, a year that we had lots of hope for and a year that we actually lived through. We find ourselves in the middle of kind of those two realities. You know, a couple weeks ago, my wife and I had the uh, privilege of going away together alone without our children for the first time in probably six years, right? Someone say amen to that, right? Come on. And so we, we went to Mexico and we were able to get away and we literally planned for every single moment while we were away. I mean, we... Um, I had a list of packing for us. I had a, a shared note on my phone for the kids. My wife, if you know her, she made a color-coded Excel chart for each child over each day, who they would be with, what extra things go in the diaper bag. I mean, we literally planned out every little iota of anything that we could plan for. And then the day we're leaving, my three-year-old gets a stomach bug. And so my wife, her littlest baby, is not feeling well, is throwing up on our floor the day before, the day we're supposed to leave to, to, to get to the airport. And I said, babe, he'll be okay. We got to go. We got to go. And so we leave, we fly out, we touch down in Mexico, um, and, and we were driving to the resort. And then we get a text, Silas is still not feeling well. And by the way, your dad, my dad has covid now, it's funny, they had not been feeling well for a few days, my mom and dad, and so they were masking in our home. We were kind of distancing because we wanted to be healthy uh, for, for our trip. But we touched down, and my dad gets COVID, and so does my mom. Now, we're in Mexico trying to like, enjoy the time there together while all this is happening, and then we fly home, and we come here. Branford gets planted overnight. We plant a church overnight, friends, right? And, and then we enter Christmas, and everybody is kind of not feeling well. There's lots of holiday plans that are getting jacked up because of different sicknesses. And we, if, if I could describe it in one phrase, I felt like we were in the middle of it, right? We were just in the middle of it. Have you ever used that phrase? Have you ever felt like, I am just in the middle of it right now, in the middle of X number of moments of chaos? What are you in the middle of right now? What do you find yourself in the middle of right now? You find yourself in the middle of a health battle? Or maybe you know someone that is battling sickness um, or, or maybe even a battle for their lives. Maybe you're here today and you find yourself in the middle of, of, of what would you would call the most important relationship of your life, but that relationship is spiraling out of control. Maybe you find yourself in the middle of just a tough relationship or a tough marriage. Maybe you find yourself in the middle of a massive work transition where you're entering a new role and you're asking yourself, is this really even manageable? Maybe you're in the middle of trying to get that new career off the ground. Or maybe you're in the middle of desperately wanting to see anxiety or depression or any addiction finally this year conquered. Maybe you feel smack dab in the middle of something God has promised you, something he's literally given you as a promise and something you have yet to see. What do you do when you get there? When you finally realize I'm in the middle of this what do you do when you can't see the end of that? How do we respond? There are even some in the room today listening online that you may not even be aware of what you are actually in the middle of in this season of life. You haven't taken the time to actually become aware 
of what God is speaking, what he's trying to do, and what you find yourself in the middle of. See, friends, when things are good, we're good. Honestly, it's funny, right? When things are good, we're good, and God is good. But when tough things hit, we often flex to wanting control. We become easily set off or thrown off. We fall apart. We become skeptical even about God himself. We feel helpless, paralyzed, frustrated, impatient. We respond based on what our eyes see versus what scripture says. And all of a sudden, literally overnight at times, we tend to see God as silent. We tend to see him as maybe uninvolved. We tend to see him as weak or aloof. And when you're in the middle of whatever you may be in the middle of today, it's easy to begin thinking things about God that are just not true. And so this morning, today, God wants to speak to you. I believe with all my heart that he has a word for us today, for for you today. He wants to speak to you. He wants to give you a picture of where he is when you are in the middle of whatever you may be in. See, God often speaks in pictures. Throughout scripture, he speaks in various types of pictures. And Psalm 46 today, our text is a picture. It's a picture of how to live in the middle of whatever you may be living in right now. It's a picture of where God is when you're in the middle. It's a picture of God's activity when you're in it. And it's a picture of how you can respond in this season, whatever you may be in. I want to jump into verse, verse, verse 1, verse 1, 2, and 3. It'll be on the screen uh, uh, behind me or, or in, in front of me, whatever it may be. But it says, verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. See, when we're in these types of moments, right, again, I mentioned we have a variety of emotions that come up that, that kind of surface in our hearts. And it's interesting, I want to tell you that, that the enemy of your soul, the devil himself, wants to use those emotions, he wants to use those feelings you have to pull you away from God and to pull you deeper into your situation. And so in moments like these, we can often think of God as what I would call inconsistent, right? We can't always see what he's doing, we can't always see him in his movement, and so we see him as maybe inconsistent in, in moments like these. But I love what verse 1 says. It says, is the psalmist, it says, God is our, our refuge and our strength, right? And what is a refuge? It's very simple. A refuge is a shelter from danger. Now, when you are being sheltered, when you're in a refuge, when you're in some type of shelter, you, you can often still see the chaos that's happening around you, right? You can often still see the storm that's, that, that's flurrying around you. You're not necessarily out of the storm, but see, God is meant to be a shield in that storm. He's meant to be a shield for you in that storm, even though with your eyes you can still see the storm, and that maybe that storm is staring right back at you, right? You can find shelter in God's presence. I'll never forget, I was on a ministry trip. Uh, I was in college. I was on a ministry trip a number of years ago in the Midwest. We were flying back to, to, to um, New Jersey, where I was from, and as we're flying, our, our group you know, we're all on this, probably 25 of us on this plane together, and the plane hit some crazy turbulence. And I don't know if you've ever been in a plane that hit crazy turbulence, but it was crazy. I mean, literally, it felt like as the plane was flying, it was just, like, it was just, 
dropping. We were just, it felt like we were dropping multiple feet at times in midair. And so people are crying and screaming and freaking out around me. And I'm 20 and kind of dumb. And I don't really know what to think. You know, I'm kind of like, okay. And, and my friend Emily, she, she, she's reading her book. She turns to me and she says, in the middle of, of, of uh, you know, just this kind of massive turbulent moment, she goes, you know, God has a plan for me and it's not my time yet. And literally, she then just turns back and puts her nose back in her book and goes on as normal. And you know what? It was, it was interesting to me because she knew that God was her shelter. That in the midst of this storm, that she knew that God was her shelter. That at the end of the day, even if that plane flight did not go as we had wanted to, at the end of the day, that he was her protector. It also says he's our strength, right? He's our strength. And I don't know how you grew up. I grew up in a, in a very Italian Catholic family. And so I heard so many times, oh, Lord, give me strength. Give me strength. I hear that over and over and over again. And I, I want to I have a moment where I say, hey, it's okay to actually admit that we're weak. It's okay to admit that we're not as strong as we think we are, that we actually need God for shelter, for covering, that I need to hide under his covering and bring my weakness to him to receive his strength. See, needing shelter and strength speaks of weakness. It's this admission of need, right? It speaks of the need to trust in him. And friends, again, I want to tell you that it's okay to admit today that you are in need of God's strength. The psalmist then tells us that God is a very present help in trouble, right? He's a well-proven help. He's a help at hand. He is a help which is sufficient. He's not far off. He's not uninterested. He is actually close and present. And so he's our refuge, he's our strength, and he is our present help. And if that's true, what does it say? If that's true, then we actually don't even need to fear if the entire earth gives way, right? The mountains, some of the most stable structures in all creation, even if they are moved, we do not need to fear. I love what one commentator says. He says, God is always their covenant God, their shield their portion, their exceedingly great reward. Christ is their redeemer and their savior, their city of refuge, their stronghold. And though they may be plundered of all their goods and their property, they have a better and more enduring substance in heaven, an estate, an inheritance that can never be taken away. And even should their enemies kill the body, even should their enemies kill the body, that is the utmost they can do. Their souls are safe in the hands of Christ. Their life is hidden with him. And when he shall appear, they shall appear with him in glory. And therefore, they may well say, we will not fear. I love what Romans 8.31 says. It says, as God is for us, what? Who can be against us? I love, if God is for us, who can be against us? Isaiah 54 verse 10 says, For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you. Not just from your neighbor, not just from the person that maybe you think is closer to God than you are, but that his steadfast love shall not depart from you. And it's my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. So when you're in the middle, when, you're, when we are in the middle, we must see God as proven protector, that God is our proven protector. I'll never forget the day, and you may have heard this story, but I'll never forget the day uh, many years ago where my spleen burst. 
Yes, my spleen, it just burst. It ruptured overnight. Uh, due to a variety of reasons, I woke up one morning with excruciating pain from kind of the side of my body all the way up into my neck. And literally the only way when that kind of pain uh, uh, triggered, the only way to, to relax my, my physical body was to, to, to be on my hands and knees. That's the only way it kind of uh, uh, relaxed that kind of excruciating pain in the moment. And I didn't know what it was. I actually thought that I had too much pizza the night before that I needed to like kind of maybe clean my eating up a little bit. And so then a number of hours later, it, it kind of, it, 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 it ruptured again, right, where I felt this excruciating pain. And then I brought my pastor's car. I helped him kind of get his car to the shop at that, at that, at that time, that day. And I'm literally in the parking lot um, in Milford at the, 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 uh, the Acura place on my hands and knees in the parking lot, like in excruciating pain. And he goes, brother, you have to get to the hospital, you know. And so he brings me to the ER. I had no insurance at the time. And I found out that my spleen had ruptured a couple of times. And then it ruptured one more time, and that, that night they removed it. And the doctor said to me, I don't know how you lived through that. Having your spleen rupture that many times, I don't know how you actually survived that, that, those episodes. And I knew in that moment that God was my what? He was my proven protector. Even when I didn't know I needed him. In your life today, in your life, where has God, what has God protected you from? How has he proven himself to you in the past? What are you in the middle of today and needing to remember what he protected you from yesterday? That car accident you survived, that diagnosis that you received, that financial decision that God protected you from, those things maybe that friends should have destroyed your life. What has God protected you from? Because every single one of us has a story. See, another feeling that comes up in, in these kind of in the middle moments is that we, we often think of God as, again, uninvolved or detached or maybe even aloof, indifferent to our situation. Like, God, where are you? Are you even close and do you really care? I love the picture that, that the psalmist gives us in verse four. It says, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High, that God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. See, I love it. The psalmist is referring to God as a river, right? He's referring to God as a river, and a river what? Provides for its streams. And so it's funny because it says there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Now, if you look at what the city of God actually means, it has a number of meanings, but one of the meanings is it refers to the people of God. And so friends, you and I right now, all over stream in Stanford this morning, we are the city of God. We are the people of God, right? We are his holy habitation, the place where he dwells. And so he, friends, God is the river that brings us gladness and joy. We are the place where he dwells. And so for God's people, whatever you may need today, right? My prayer is that the gospel, the good news of what Christ did on the cross, that that river would run through our churches. That that river would run, that that river would run, yeah, come on, run through our churches into the city, into the city. What did Jesus say in John chapter four? He said, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. 
The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. What did John, what did you say in John chapter 7 verse 37? He says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Friends, we must understand that God is there that we would come and receive from him. Right? Isaiah 55. I love Isaiah. I love what he says in, in chapter, chapter 55. It's the first verse. It says, come everyone who is thirsty. Oh, sometimes friends, I need to drink from the gladness of God. Right, come everyone who's thirsty, come to the water. And he who has no money, I don't need to bring anything. Come, buy, and eat. And see, we must realize that God is meant, he wants to, he's there to provide our deepest thirst. He's there to provide our deepest need. He is there to, to fill the deepest places of who we are. But friends, we must do our part and come to him. Bridgeport, we must be a people that comes to him. The psalmist also reminds us that he is also in the midst of us. He's in the center. And see, when we put him where he belongs, in the center, what does it say? It says, we shall not be moved. But see, when we see him as detached, when we kind of assume that God is detached, that he's indifferent, right? We then put a variety of other things in the center, we look to people's opinions. We look to our own personal fears. We look to the news. We look to, to a variety of other things instead of Jesus Christ himself. But see, when Christ is the focal point, when he is the center, when you are in the middle of a mess, but you look to Jesus as being the one in the center, he provides stability to you. Right? As the nations literally shake around us, as there is instability everywhere around us at all times, it seems like the last two years it has just been instability after instability all around us. As madness is happening all around us, the promise that he gives us is that when he's in the center, we shall not be moved. That his presence, that his voice is meant to override all the madness around us. And so when you are in the middle of whatever you may be in today, where is God? Where is he to you? Who are you giving your attention to when you're in this situation? Because I'll tell you, friends, I'll tell you that you must see God. When you're in the middle, you must see God as present provider. That God is your present provider. You, many of you know this, I've been battling uh, Crohn's disease for uh, a number of years, and uh, I was probably in the, one of the worst Crohn's flares of my life, uh, uh, probably five, six years ago, and uh, uh, you know, usually this certain medication would help me kind of pull me out of, of this flare, and it just was not working. The medications that they were giving me were just not really helping kind of pull my body out of this, this spiraled flare I was in, and so I'll never forget, I'm probably just over 100 pounds. I lost so much weight. I wasn't eating. It, it took so much mental energy to get out of bed, to get dressed, to shower, to eat. Uh, many of you, you know, if you were around for that, you, you knew how tough it was. And I'll never forget one day, I, I, all of my energy, I used all of my energy to get myself in the shower because I just needed to shower. I just needed to get cleaned up. And I'm in the shower and, 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 and I'm, I'm kind of, you know, get, getting cleaned up. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit reminds me of this scripture out of the book of Hebrews. 
This scripture kind of comes into my mind, and it literally reminds me of something so simple, yet something I needed so desperately in the moment. It rem- he reminded me, the Holy Spirit spoke to me that scripture, and it reminded me that I was God's son, that he, through Jesus Christ, brought me into his family, that I was his son. I'm literally, friends, crying in the shower going, I'm a son, I'm a son. I mean, literally, I'm crying, yelling that in the shower in my home because his presence at that moment provided me a moment of comfort. In the toughest of times, in one of the most hardest situations of my life, I'm standing in the shower having God whisper to me, giving me this promise. And honestly, it wasn't that I didn't get miraculously healed I didn't leave there. My body all of a sudden had supernatural strength, right? Nothing actually changed in the natural for me. But regardless of what happened, I knew something in that moment. I knew something that whatever happens from here on out, if I battle this for the rest of my life, whatever happens, I'm okay because God is present and because he provides. And so I want to ask you in your life, where has God been present to you? Where has he provided for you when you didn't think he could? This final feeling I want to just uh, kind of attack here is, is as, as we're in the middle of these scenarios, right? We often ask this question, God, can you actually take care of this thing? Right? We ask this question, can you, are you actually able to take care of me in this situation? We often tend to see God as weak, right? Like he isn't actually able to do the things that the scripture tells us he can do. But I love verse eight and nine here. I love what it says. It says, come and behold the works of the Lord, how he, how he's brought desolation on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. What does it say, friends? It says, come and behold, right? He's saying, take a look, take notice. Notice that God is at work. Friends, we have to at times take a moment and actually notice that God is at work in your situation, that he's at work in your life. You know, that phrase, it says the desolations of the earth, right? How he has brought desolations on the earth is a little bit of a, of a, a, a weird kind of phrase, isn't it? It's a weird phrase, but I love what the theologians say. Uh, Many theologians and commentators say that this speaks of the silencing and the eradicating of the enemies of God and the enemies of God's people. That God at his core is a God that fights for his people, right? That God at his core is is one who fights on your behalf. That honestly, if you look at scripture, the the, the meta-narrative of scripture is that God is a God that fights for his people. Right, that for the Christian, the follower of Jesus, the one who's laid down their lives for him, that our battles are not just our battles, but our battles are actually his battles, that he wants to fight on your behalf. I love that scripture is littered with moments, with scenarios where God has fight, where God fights for his people. One of, the, one of the greatest ones for me, Exodus 14, is when Moses and the people of Israel are standing at the edge of the Red Sea. and, And all they see is the sea before them and they see the Egyptians coming after them behind them. Right. And they see they are in, in what they would call a seemingly impossible situation, a situation brought on by God himself. But see what we have to remember that it was God who hardened Pharaoh's heart to pursue the fleeing people. It was God that wanted to make it crystal clear to Egypt that he is the Lord so that he would get the glory over Pharaoh. 
And God wanted to teach his people that he is their deliverer and their salvation and that they were incapable of escaping the situation on their own. Friend, that's a word for us today, right? That at times we feel like we got it, but we must come to the point where we realize that we are incapable of escaping situations on our own. That we needed to only wait for God to move on our behalf and that the battle was between him and whatever is in front of him. See, we must see God as our deliverer and our salvation, that he is the finisher of all he, th- all, that he, that God himself is the finisher of all he starts, that he'll finish it, that his plans are at times beyond our understanding, and we must lean into his power and rely on his grand plans. And when you are in the middle of whatever you may be in today, you must see God as your powerful providence, that God is our powerful providence. And see, when things feel like they get out of control, when your life, when those scenarios feel like they're out of control, when it's hard to see God as powerful, we want to what? We want to flex and we want to take the wheel. We want to take control. When we believe that he can't fix this or that or maybe he won't, right? We all of a sudden don't believe that his plans are good for us anymore. That his plans, that, 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 that they're, not, they're not for us. But friends, we must remind ourselves, just like the Israelites had to, just like God's people back, back at Exodus had to, that he's our deliverer and he is our salvation. And I love it. I love this so much that as you look at the consistency of God's movement in Scripture, what he wants to tell you today, when you're in the middle of whatever you may be in today, What he wants to tell you comes straight out of verse 10. It says, please be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. What he's telling you today, friends, whatever you may be battling, whatever you may be facing, is to be still and know that he is God. It's literally the same thing he said to the Israelites in Exodus 14, 14. He says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. You gotta be still. He tells you, be still and know that I am God. In the middle of it, God is speaking to you in your circumstances. And I want to ask you today, can you hear him speaking to you? Can you hear him asking you, friend, my son, my daughter, be still and know that I am God. Now, friends, this is not quiet down. This is not cease all activity. This is actually a command. It's, it's please cease from your striving, friends. Cease trying to control the situation. God says, I will have the final say. I will have the final word. I know the end of the story. I know the end of your story. You must see me as your protector, as your provider, and as provident. And I will have the final say, God says. You know, Jesus did this. He did this for us. Mark chapter 4, in the boat, when the great windstorm arose, water's filling the boat. And what is Jesus doing, if you know the story? He's taking a nap. And they wake him up, and they say, "Uh, can you help us here? And he literally just says three words. He says, peace, be still. And the winds and the waves obeyed him, and the people were in awe. Jesus did this, but he also chose this. See, this is so interesting to me. As I was reflecting, as I was even praying through this week, right, Jesus actually chose this as well. He chose this to be still and know that that his father was God. See, the day before he was to be crucified, he actually asked God the father. He said, 
if you're willing, could we do this a different way? Right? He says, hey, if you're willing, can you remove this cup from me is what he says. But then he says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus, in other words, was saying, if there's another way, I'd love to do this a different way. But then I wonder as he can then submits himself to God again, I wonder if Jesus was thinking about Psalm 46. I can't prove that, but I wonder if there was moments in that night, he's getting ready to know that he's going to hang on a cross to, to be beaten, to be humiliated. I wonder, friends, if he was thinking at all about Psalm chapter 46. I wonder while he was being betrayed by Judas, while he was being arrested, while he was being beat on, spit on, and mocked, I wonder if he was thinking, I need to be still and know. I wonder as his body was growing rigid, as the, the color was draining from his face, as the muscles were nodding in his stomach, as his teeth were clenched, as his lips draw tight, as the wooden handle with the leather straps with the metal shards on the end were biting into his skin as he was getting beaten. I wonder in that moment if he was reminded that he needs to what? Be still and know that God was with him. See, I wonder why did he stay? Like, why did Jesus continue to, to be beaten, to, 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 to go on that road to be crucified, to be accused, to be put on a cross, nails in his feet and his hands, a crown of thorns dug into his head? I'm wondering if he knew, hey, Father, I'm sure you know what you're doing, right? See, we must see Jesus' stillness on the cross, not as inactivity, but as trust, as trust. That he knew in that moment that even though it was a little bit, not a little bit, it was painful. The humiliation, it was a lot. But he trusted in his heavenly father. And I want to ask you today, church, do you trust him in the middle? In your heart of hearts, do you trust him in the middle? You would say, I'm not Jesus. How do I trust him? How do I actually take that next step to trust him? The secret is in verse 11. It'll be on the screen. It says, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. See, friends, we must know that whatever you may be walking through right now, whatever you may be going into, whatever you may be walked out of in 2021, we must know as a people, if we are to trust him, if we are to place him at the center, if we are to see him as protector, as provider, and as his plans being provident for us, we must know that he's with us. We must know that God is with us. God is with you right now. I love the phrase Lord of hosts because that word host means armies. It actually refers to God's angelic armies, the hosts of heaven, the, the unseen realm of God. That God is the, is the God of the armies of heaven. But I love the phrase, he's the God of Jacob. Because if you know anything about Jacob, that was his old name. The screw up, the one maybe not so worthy of God's attention, that's us. See, he is with the armies in heaven and he is with us right now. Would you stand with me? And just as we, all of our locations, you can stand. 
just as we begin to kind of place ourselves before him, we must know that he's with us. In the humiliation, in the beatings, in the crucifixion, the hanging on a tree, the paying for the sins of humanity, even in the most hardest of situations, you today can have him. You can have him because he's alive. You can have him because he was raised from the dead. You can have him because he defeated the sting of death forever. You can have him as the reward of your life. But you must do one thing. You must do one thing. You must fully trust. You must fully trust in his promised resurrection. That is the way to survive the middle. You must fully trust that God is with you. That he will never leave you nor forsake you. That he knows the number of hairs on your head. You must know, Hartford, that he's with you today. And so as we sing, as we sing, I'm not saying that your circumstance may get any smaller, but I'm saying that as you sing, let's magnify the God who is bigger than our circumstance. And as we lift him up, as we place our trust in him, his spirit is with us and will give us a perspective to stay the course. Let's pray. God, right now we just, we lift our eyes up we lift, our, I thank you, God, for Psalm 3 that it says you are our glory and the lifter of our head. God, I pray in every, every campus right now and every person listening online, God, I pray you would lift our heads. God, that we would see you as you really are. Lord, that you'd open up our eyes today. God, that we would see you as the resurrected, conquering Jesus. That we would see you as you really are today, as you're, as you're our protector, our provider and provident. God, I pray that we would place the fullness of our trust not in circumstance, but in your resurrection power today. In Jesus' name, let's sing, church. Thank you for listening today to this Vox Church sermon. If something from today's message spoke to you and you've just made the decision to follow Jesus, text Vox Church, all one word, to 97,000, and one of our leaders will help you as you begin your journey with Christ. God bless you.